Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. All right. It's my great pleasure to introduce our guest for this episode, Chadney Everett, the director, architect, artist of Meow Wolf and the House Eternal. Welcome, Chadney. Thank you. You've given me too many credits. I don't, I don't actually carry some of those, but I appreciate it. I've them. seen your work firsthand. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Seriously, Chadney. Thank you. I am the, uh, I'm a senior creative director with Meow Wolf. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and thank you for having me on the show. Wonderful. So, Chadney, as a visionary, what is the new story that you would like to bring to the world? Um, if I, if there's one thing that stands out to me and it relates to what I do as an artist, it's that I would like to see this shared experience we're all going through um, bring a renewed connection with one another. Um, this relates specifically to art. Art is in the business of connecting humans to the greater human experience. And, um, you know, that, that invisible connection point that exists between the, the art and the audience um, and that thing that is the magical thing that lives between there that connects us uh, to each other. Um, I would, yeah, I would like in the same way that like to have a meaningful artistic experience, we must uh, be open to being transformed uh, by that, um, by the interaction. Um, we must be equally open um, in having a meaningful interpersonal human experience. Um, the willingness to be transformed by our human interactions um, in the same way. So yeah, that. That's a wonderful way to put it, especially in a time in which we're talking about social distancing. So totally. how can we bring that human element in when it feels like so much of our lives are, are technologically based in the sense of how we're connecting? Even right now, we're having a remote conversation. How can we keep that human element alive? It's, yeah, it's such an interesting thing. Like, you know, the internet is up there with the written word as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, um, kind of connectivity uh, invention that humans have ever made. Um, it, it like connects us in a way that only the written word comes close, I think. Um, and yet we're seeing now that like, it's not quite enough for a lot of people, right? Like we crave that physical human connection um, so much so that people are risking their lives to like go out on a beach and like go to these public spaces, which is, you know, uh, in, in, when you intellectualize it, it's, 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 it's silly, right? But that, that need is so strong with us. Um, so for example, like during, during most of the 1900s, um, we didn't, you know, we had like there was four TV channels, no VCRs, uh, etc. Movie theaters made sense, right? Um, in today's day and age, when we have access to an almost infinite amount of content, um, why are movie theaters still here? There's no no logical reason why they should still exist, right? You have to spend six months <laughs> worth of Netflix fees to take your family to see one movie. <laughs> Right? right. Um, so why do people go? And it's about that shared human experience, right? It's more meaningful, even when you're sitting in a theater with a hundred strangers, mm -hmm. that you went through that experience together um, matters. And it, it's meaningful to us. 
And so um, that thing, and it's, it's especially difficult right now, right? And so a lot of us are feeling that longing for that human connection, even to just pass people on a hiking trail. When I, when I go out for a hike after work, I'll, uh, there's so much more right now. People are acknowledge, and acknowledging each other, saying hi, like even when, as they keep their distance, as we pass on the trail, um, there's this acknowledgement, like we're all in this together, right? like uh, looking into each other's eyes and like that thing and it and it's powerful um that shared experience of this thing and i hope that like ultimately this helps us break down a lot of the polarity that's been happening in the country for the last several decades um you know like what does it matter? There, there's such an obsession with being right now. It's kind of this thing you see on, on Facebook a lot. I, I've been on Facebook now for two years because it, it, it became like an opinion machine uh, to me, right? Where everybody's just screaming their opinions into the void. Nobody's minds are being changed. Um, and people are so obsessed with being right, right? For what? What does it matter? What, like, what harm comes to me if instead of arguing and trying to be right, I just listen to people. Like, I can't think of any negatives that come from just listening to someone who has a completely different opinion than me. Um, and I can think of a lot that could be gained from that. Um, and so understanding that we're all going through the shared thing together um, and that we have this in common and it's been difficult on all of us, I hope that that brings us together in a way that um, nothing else seems to have been able to do. I think that's a really powerful point, right? I think shared experience and, you know, we, we stay right now in the middle of COVID, we're seeing the protesters who are, are getting yep. frustrated with being sheltered in place and you have the counter protesters, right. especially, you know, that are great, great healthcare workers, you know, trying to fight for society and people's lives. I mean, that's right. Even this shared experience, how do you, how do you see like art or like immersive art helping or help us to get through these tough times? Well, I mean, if you look at what's everybody turning to right now, right? Like what we're seeing right now is a, a staggering increase in uh, people interacting with the arts right now. If it's books, Netflix, movies, music, whatever, um, the British Museum, their online collections page has jumped from 2,000 daily visitors to 75,000, wow. right? And museums <laughs> around the world are seeing this. Um, like a 700 to a thousand percent increase in, in people interacting even with museums and galleries. Right. But that's, that's one example of, 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 of something that's more broad. Right. So the arts are what everybody is turning to right now for connection and comfort. Um, it's that thing that reminds us of, of, of our humanity. And yet, you know, of course we live in a country where, the arts have never been considered to be an essential, and all of these organizations are suffering terribly. And many well-established organizations are uh, facing very real ruin right now um, because of this, right, and not getting the support, even though the evidence shows that they are literally among the most essential things to us right now, at least by popular opinion. You know, it's interesting, there's an article in the Financial Times last week in which this columnist was comparing this moment as a portal, the pandemic portal, and it takes us from where we were to where we're going to be. And I find it interesting as you say that, 
you know, especially in the last few years, we have downplayed the importance of art, especially in schools. When I was a kid, I, I got to go to an art class, a music class, and I went to public education, and they were wonderful. Totally. And uh, I credit that for really awakening something in me. Also, we had a library at my school, and so I got to read all these wonderful books. And so what do we find in this moment where um, so many hospitals are, kind of, are, are without the resources they need because we've had it just-in-time shipments, we've been running lean. At the same time, we've been running lean in a different way when it comes to art and not uh, yeah. celebrating its importance. And so I, I wonder from, from you, can you see this moment as maybe a portal in, in a beneficial way where we wake up and we see this outpouring of, like you said, people going to these museums and enjoying this moment. Maybe yeah. this will be a revitalization in some ways to bring us into what it means to be human. Exactly. I mean, so we have the things that keep us alive and they're, they're very important, right? Like I, obviously medicine, food, all these things are vital, right? They are the things that, that make it possible for us to live. But then, and very selfishly, I would say, because I'm, I'm a, a lifelong artist and it's what I do, art gives us the reason why we want to live, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> you know, this is the thing that makes life worthwhile. It even means a beautifully designed car. It doesn't matter. Like, art is all around us all the time. And when things are done well, they are done with art, you know? Um, and so... This, this, like, the understanding that that is the thing that makes our lives worth living it and gives them, in many ways, their value. The shared experience with people we love or even strangers. Again, the movie theater analogy, right? It doesn't matter that they're strangers. And it doesn't matter that in that theater, I don't care what anybody's politics are. I don't care what their belief systems are. I don't care what religion they have, they hold, right? It's that that the, the thing that lives below those things on the surface, right, our common shared humanity and sharing the experience with each other, that makes the difference. When people come to the House of Eternal Return, which is our exhibit in Santa Fe, um, there is, I have never once heard of any talk about what separates us when people are in that shared experience with each other. There's just a common, human sense of wonder right at at this shared artistic experience right and that thing that's an incredibly powerful thing to, to to find the things that connect us and focus on those as opposed to the things that separate us um which tend to be those things that separate us tend to be very shallow the things that connect us are very strong and deep-rooted we have much more in common than we have not in common with each other all of us um, mm -hmm. For sure. I, you know, you referenced House of the Eternal Return. Mm -hmm. um, for people that may not be familiar, do you want to share a little bit about what it is and sure. how it came to be? Absolutely, yeah. So I work for a company called Meow Wolf. Uh, Meow Wolf is based out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. It is a large-scale immersive arts organization. Um, we built our first exhibit in uh, Santa Fe, opening in... Uh, uh, let's see, it was St. Patrick's Day of 2016. Um, we, it is a uh, 22,000 square foot exhibit, um, which is small in comparison to what we have in the works right now for future exhibits. Um, I was the lead designer on the house itself. Um, when you enter the exhibit, you will, first thing you'll encounter when you walk into the exhibit is a two-story tall, full-size Victorian house. Um, and then from there, you are led to fantastical artistic spaces. Um, we are 
an arts organization primarily. Um, we are often compared to themed entertainment. There's a big difference though, at least to me, a very big difference in that there is no focal thing that you're lining up to see in our work, right? It's not a ride. Um, everything we build is the focus of the thing. And so there is, everything is the focus and it's about the art. And we work with a lot of collaborating artists in every area um, that we um, build exhibits in. So currently I am working on our Denver project, which is a very large 94,000 square foot new build building in Denver. Um, and for that project, we are working with 115 plus local Denver artists. Um, they will, we're building rooms for them for installation artists. They are going to be muralizing, they're gonna be building sculptures, making video content. So we're all about creating um, an opportunity and a platform for artists to elevate them, right? We'll also take some up and coming artists and put them right next to uh, a mid-career artist and show them in context with each other and show like that they belong together. Um, and, you know, for the Denver exhibit, we project well over a million visitors a year. Um, and so these artists are going to get eyeballs on their work like they never could have dreamed of before, right? So it's a big opportunity for them. Um, and it is a way for uh, the public to see art in a context they don't normally see it, right? Um, because of these very highly decorated and beautiful spaces that we kind of uh, rebuild around the artist's work. Um, so yeah, so our exhibit in Santa Fe has been going strong since 2016. We've seen an increasing, we, we expected to see a kind of, you know, kind of hidden apex and seeing it kind of level off at a lower uh, you know, kind of, you know, plat plateau, but we've seen nothing but growth. Um, it's become the major uh, kind of tourist destination for Santa Fe. Um, and, um, and we're very excited for our future projects. Uh, Vegas, uh, you know, obviously we have new circumstances in the world. We're in the middle of a pandemic, but uh, we're still on track to open Vegas. Uh, hopefully um, uh, autumn, uh, or winter of uh, this year, oh, wow. uh, and then Denver uh, at autumn or winter the following year um, in 2021. Um, obviously, we'll see how the, this pandemic affects all of that, but that's still our schedule. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's our work. That's that's wonderful. That's that's amazing. And I was telling you right before this, my mother went and had such a great experience. So I think that's yeah. awesome. Um, I was thinking back when I was in college, I had this great class it was about theater and we we're talking about the definition of art. And it seems so basic, but how do you define art? And so my teacher said, it's anything that prov provokes an aesthetic response. And I wonder from you, you have this amazing immersive experience that you're talking about, almost unlike anything we've ever experienced, maybe comparing it to theme entertainment, but I don't even think that does it the justice it needs. So I wonder from you, when you have such a divergent and diverse kinds of art, what is the aesthetic response? What do you want people to feel, to think uh, when, they, when they encounter this wonderful art that you're bringing to the world? Sure, yeah, we, we have a couple things that we, that we shoot for, one, um, we have an essential rule. We don't direct people how to experience our work, right? Once you buy a ticket, it's up to you. And that's something we build into everything that we do, all of our exhibits. Um, there is no map, no guide. You are the creator of your experience. We're just creating the place within which you can create that experience. Um, so um, there is no singular path. Um, uh, yeah, 
Secondly, we are very interested in bringing out the kind of childlike wonder in the adult, but also the adult in the child, right? Like we're not dumbing it down. Um, and we are interested in making accessible art, absolutely. We call it the accessible unknown, which is meaning that the invitation is there, but what is beyond there is, um, is, is not clear. Um, and we want to challenge people in that way. And then, and then thirdly, we're very interested in, uh, I, I would define the difference between like art and entertainment to me is that art has um, the aspect of the transformative experience. Um, it, you, when you engage with, with, with art that has been done with great craft and, 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 and done artfully, um, that interaction with that art leaves you transformed. You are not the same person you were before you engaged with it because that reflection back is a reflection to aspects of yourself that maybe you haven't engaged with before or as deeply. Um, and so the hope is, is that we call it mind bending as opposed to mind breaking. Uh, mind breaking is too violent. Right. Mind bending, however, is, is the, the capacity for people to look at the world in a new way and kind of flex the way that they think about what's possible. We're also very interested in inspiring the next generation of artists. Um, we, we want, look, so, you know, some people have said like about our work, they're like, yeah, it seems a little raw around the edges, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you know, kind of unfinished quality to a lot of it. This is incredibly intentional, right? We don't want our work to look too slick. We want people to be able to look at what we do and say, I could do that, you know, like that is powerful. And then for them to go home and actually do it, which we've had happen. We've had uh, a group of people who visited us from Texas, not long after we opened, went home and made their own installation. We went and visited them, ended up hiring a couple of them to work with us because they were really good. Um, but you know, that like the ability to inspire people to do the thing um, and to be able to see like, the crap that went into it and how it was done, that to, that's like, to me, that's all the reward I ever need for the work that we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think, Jenny, that you really hit that out of the park because, you know, I don't consider myself like an artsy kind of guy and, you know, <laughs> I had the, the, the pleasure to actually go to see the House of Eternal Return and it was phenomenal. I can't believe how sucked in and grossed. I was like examining all these little Things. I mean, I could probably spend a couple of days there, honestly. Sure. And, you know, this is about changing the story. It definitely changed my story. And I think other people I saw there, they were so immersed by it as well. It changed their story. But yeah. you touched upon something I thought was also interesting. You're also changing the story for, like, artists, right? It's That's right. Maybe well, so, you know, yeah we're, 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 yeah, we're in the experience economy, right? We're, we're right in it. You know, it's a kind of the book was written in the 90s. Here we are in it, you know, millennials now, I mean, if you look at the trajectory of money and the spent on experience economy, it is just like the graph is like this. Millennials are, you know, are not spending money on material goods in the same way that my generation did, that's for sure, I'm Gen X, you know, um, and at all. Um, and they are a trillion dollar economy and it's all on experience right now. Um, that's what they're all about. Um, and, that, and that graph keeps moving upward like that. People are interested in experience. And what does that mean? That means it's not about a thing. It's about changing who I am, right? An experience when it is meaningful. If I have an experience that is 
I um, go do laundry. That's one thing, right? But that's not the experience that people are looking for. They're looking for an experience where it's like, I go to Machu Picchu, you know? Um, And when I go there, I am transformed. I have a more expansive awareness of the world. And ultimately, in a positive sense, it's also a shared experience. You're going with people you love. Um, You'll be there with other humans that are also having that transformative experience, right? Like that thing is at the core of, of where our economies are moving and where our interests as humans are moving is that shared experience and just the accessibility of experience, right? Which is part of what makes this especially hard right now, this pandemic, is that that is like, man, is there a lid put on that? Um, Obviously the hiking trails are packed, um, you know, because people are trying to get out and just have some kind of it. But, um, But we're seeing a lot of it online as well, as we talked about. I love the way you put that, by the way. Um, I also love the way you, you talked about mind bending. Um, yeah. And I was even looking on your site earlier and looking at some of the different books you suggest when it comes to mind bending. As a person who grew up watching The Twilight Zone and anything yeah. that's science fiction, I'm very into the, the mind bending aspect, and I know Neil is too. So, with that, um, if we can mind bend a little bit just for, for a moment here, let's talk about the future. Let's say we're 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, if we're even around. Yeah. What might, what might the art look like? Let's like really bend our mind here. What, what could that story look like, the future of art? Yeah, so, okay, so for example, and I'll, I'm gonna take you on a journey, this is my journey there. So sure. um, for the Denver exhibit, I'm, I'm doing active work on getting the, the exhibit outside of the exhibit, the experience of the exhibit. And what that means is using technologies so that people can have a continued experience of the story that they engaged with in that building in the city of Denver, right? This could include renting spaces that exist in the city where people can actually go to that space and it's the office for this thing. There could also be like kind of clues hidden throughout the city on kind of narrative journeys, but it also could just be performance interactivities where it's these kind of pop-ups and staying connected with people to understand that like, oh my God, this thing's happening over here that relates to the story that happened in the building. This is the beginning of a thing, right? There's also technologies. When we look at the future of AR technologies, which we've definitely looked in VR and AR, and we kind of have a lot of interest in, um, it's easy to imagine a future where, let's say the next level um, from now is where we have a common, let's say it goes back to some kind of Google Glasses or something like that, which is actually Apple is talking about, um, that they are already seeing the future when the phone will be phased out and they move towards something like this. Mm. Um, where you have an augmented reality that is just ubiquitous, right? You are on a hike and you look at a plant and you're like, I wonder what kind of plant that is. Oh, there comes the Latin name. Here comes the name for the thing, et cetera, et cetera. You can get information on it, right? Um, if you're walking around trying to find directions to a place, boop, they appear and you, you, know, you follow them, et cetera. It's easy to imagine that as a next step in our future kind of uh, technologies engagement. The step beyond that, then it's not hard to imagine a day when we can create culture through those technologies. And what I mean by that is a group of kids could reskin a city to fit their goth aesthetic, right? And they always walk around in this city reskinned, like in this thing they've designed together, and they're all dressed it, and here are creatures flying around it, and they live like that, right? Like this is how they this is how they engage with the world, right? And this other group of kids, they're like way into Disney. And so they they are like buying in on some Disney kind of skinning thing and they live in that world, et cetera, et cetera. Beyond it's then you kind of extrapolate beyond that, 
this is already generations old, people have been doing this. The designers of buildings don't even bother decorating the exterior anymore, right? It's just these blank white facades because nobody actually looks at them as they are anyway. It doesn't matter, you know? This kind of creativity is something that is like, this is the thing that we're thinking about when we think about the future of what's possible, right? So when I talked about getting outside the building and bringing the thing outside the building, that is the like kindergarten baby step that's leading toward the futures of how we are going to interact with technologies, which we know they're playing a bigger and bigger part in everything that we do, and how those are going to be essential to the artistic experience that we have with the world and the way that we engage with each other and create culture with each other, right? And so this is something that we're very interested in. And actually, uh, some of us talk about quite a bit um, in these kind of high-level meetings about the future of of our company and the trajectories we'd like to see it move toward and how we want to like potentially be at the vanguard of that thing um, and in, empowering people um, to take creative agency for themselves uh, and create the world that they want to live in. I love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, and, and uh, so with that, uh, to, to me, that, that's a whole different way of being and doing. So let's, 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 let's go with that mind-bending idea there. Let's imagine, I don't know what the time frame is you're thinking about this, but let's say it's 50 years from now. If sure. there is a world in which young or old, we can create our realities in ways that just boggle the mind for the person yep. right now. Yep. Obviously, you mentioned uh, we live in a, a very challenging time, COVID-19. It's exacerbating yep. a lot of the, the disparities, the visions that we have, especially politically. How could you think, if we, if we lived in a world and this vision that you're p- portraying here uh, of art in this manner, do you think that it has the ability to connect us, to resolve these old tensions that didn't just happen, by the way, in COVID-19, but have really plagued us all of our humanity? Could this begin to help with social unrest, to begin to right the wrongs of inequality, do you, do you see this as a vehicle for good and for, for mutual compassion? I sure hope so. Um, I, you know, where does culture come from? Um, it obviously comes from our ancestors and the places we're born, but it also, so that's kind of coming from below. Um, and in a certain sense, if you want to speak metaphorically, but it also can come at us from above, right? Culture can come at us from media. See, you know, like MSNBC and Fox News, right? right? They are creating a kind of culture, right? And they're creating a kind of team mentality, right? This us against them kind of mentality, right? And so there are cultures that are built around those things as well, which are, and cultures can be a kind of series of overlapping Venn diagrams. It's like, yes, I'm Polish American, which I am, but I'm also this, and I'm also this, and you know what I mean? And so like, you know, like how those things overlap and how we define ourselves, right? So these ways that we define ourselves, um, many of them right now are kind of being delivered to us, right? My hope for the future is that as we get more agency through technology, um, which we already see trends of technology doing this, um, that we have more control over how we, are, how we define ourselves, right? Um, and that we have more agency in that thing. We already see how technologies are kind of uh, taking away uh, the need for professionals and giving that to people. I mean, Airbnb is an example of that. We had hoteliers, right? And they were the professionals who did this thing. But now that is being kind of taken by common people and anybody can do this thing, right? Uh, 
uh, Lyft and Uber are another example of that. We have professional kind of drivers, and now we are taking that. You know, it's technologies that allow us to do this, right? So we already see this, how technologies are allowing people to take agency over, uh, over their lives and over services um, that used to be held by professionals. Um, so I think that my hope is that technologies continue that trend uh, in delivering agency to all of us. Um, to take control over our, our lives and our uh, the means of our, our, our livelihood um, and our creative voice. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think uh, as we kind of wrap up here, sure. you know, I love the mind-bending motif. I mean, that's something you got to do to innovate, to disrupt, to change the Absolutely. story. If you had one piece of advice to share with our audience on um, how to be a good mind mender. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, this is, we're, we're, we're in a, a moment of opportunity here, right? Like this pandemic is one of the most monumental events in human history. World War II um, was powerful, but there were a lot of countries that weren't involved in the war and were still living their best lives. Do you know what I mean? Um, this affects all of us. This will be a standout moment in human history. We are living through something that is literally going to be a lightning rod in human history. Um, so it's kind of like, and, and you know, the world was moving forward at this, like this, it was like a juggernaut of constant forward momentum, right? And suddenly it came to a screeching halt, this kind of control alt delete, you know, <laughs> that happened on the world right now. And like, it's come to a screeching halt. Um, and this is our opportunity to reboot to reset, right? Um, to reimagine the story of our world and our relationship to one another. Um, one thing we know for sure is that we'll all be changed by this pandemic, right? Like all of us will be changed, but the exact nature of that change hasn't been written. Um, that's for us to decide. Um, and not our governments, but us. And so we have the power and the potential to reimagine how we do this together. Um, and I think we need to take advantage of that, you know, because it's powerful and it's rare. This isn't going to happen again for who knows when the next time that something of this magnitude will happen that gives us an opportunity to reimagine our futures. Hopefully next time we don't need something like this to reimagine <laughs> our futures. Exactly, huh? right. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love that phrase, the control alt delete moment. I, that's yeah. a great title, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, what you're talking to us about really sounds like empowerment as well, as well as inclusion. Absolutely. And we're just so grateful for this amazing interview. And thank you for taking the time to chat with us. So oh, um, how can, well, thank you. And how can people get in touch with you? And how can people visit, uh, you know, what, what your offerings are and learn more about Meow Wolf and all the sure. good stuff that well, you're doing? Visiting me is boring, but visiting Meowwolf is <laughs> not. So I would encourage people to go to meowwolf.com, and, and a lot of information exists on that site, links to a lot of the work we're doing. Um, we are actively working on ways we are just as challenged in this time um, uh, as anybody else. And being an arts organization, we have that as well. Um, but we are actively um, looking for ways to continue our engagement with the community, um, to continue to inspire people. Um, and uh, please check out our website, meowwolf.com, and, and, and look for uh, kind of interactivities there and events, and also um, as a way to see like the kind of what I feel like important work we're doing, uh, how it's evolving. Um, yeah. 
Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you, Chetty. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.